Welcome into Around the Waves on KCOU 88.1 FM. Happy Monday, everyone. My name is Ben Schmidt, and alongside me is no one on this Monday. My co-host left me to fend for myself. So that's exactly what I'm going to do for the next hour, and I've got plenty of football to break down, both from the college level and from NFL Action Week 6 yesterday. The quality of football... Not great. Had some good games come down to the wire, but the quality of NFL football this week was not 
up to par with some of what we've seen in the past. Regardless, we'll get to that in a little bit. I'm going to start with Mizzou football, though. Once again, happy Monday to everyone on this October the 16th. My name is Ben Schmidt. Thanks so much for spending your hour here with me on KCU 88.1 FM. And as we usually do on this show, whether it is just me, all three of us, or even two of us like the last couple weeks, we start with Mizzou sports. And a happy Monday to talk about Mizzou sports because the Missouri Tigers on the football field got a win, bounced back off their first loss of the season with an SEC road win. Their toughest road test of the season so far as they went into Lexington and took down the number 24 ranked Kentucky Wildcats 38-21. to The final score, Missouri now once again back in the top 25 after falling out for a week. They were ranked 20 in the poll that came out yesterday. They're looking good so far. 6-1 and on the season with a 2-1 and SEC record. And a lot to be happy about for Missouri football for, for a team that the last couple years, I mean, had to sweat it out into, into late November around Thanksgiving time to see if they were going to get that sixth win to be bowl eligible and yet here we are they win their sixth game out of seven tries and they will be bowling here later on the season but much bigger aspirations in mind because if they can run the table here they have a chance to do more a long way to go though don't want to get ahead of myself on that so I'm going to start with this first want to talk about really how impressed I was with this Mizzou team overall and I want to start with everyone knows Missouri after a quarter was down 14 nothing. Really after half a quarter was down 14 nothing to Kentucky. Kentucky came out strong. They hit Missouri in the mouth. They forced the interception off of Brady Cook. Devin Leary had a touchdown early on. And it felt like the past of Missouri football teams, whether it be under Coach Drinkwitz or just Missouri in general, where it's, okay, it's a team that didn't get up for a road game, fell behind, sleep your first quarter, and then maybe you turn it on after that, but at that point you're down a score or two, the the home crowd gets into it, and you can never catch back up. I don't think I was alone in feeling that kind of feeling midway through the first quarter, even after a quarter on Saturday as the Tigers were in Lexington. But then uh, that's where this team showed that they've really made improvements this season because I don't think... I don't, I don't think Mizzou wins this game last year after falling behind 14-0. They, they didn't have the, the offense to come back from it, and their defense wasn't going to hold it. But this year... I mean, you fall behind 14-0 and you go on a 38-7 run to close out the game. I mean, that's on the road, SEC opponent that that has just one loss like you on the season. That's impressive stuff. So I think overall, as you look at it, it wasn't like Brady Cook was incredible. He only had a, a buck 67 through the air, one touchdown. Um, I believe he ran in another. Cody Schrader averaged less than four a carry. I mean, 20 carries for 71 yards and a touchdown. I know he was playing hurt, but it wasn't like he had a great game. Luther Burden was mostly held in check. I mean, that's a guy that came into the game leading all of the nation in receiving yards. And Kentucky held Luther Burden on the game to just two catches for 15 yards. I mean, all things offense statistically wise where, like, you only have 206 total passing yards, 39 of which coming from your punter. And, and then you, you give up 14 points right off the bat. That's that's all things where you look at that in the past, and it's like, yeah, Mizzou lost that football game. But it's, it's it just shows that it's a much better team this year. Blake Baker really locked it in for the defense. They they held Devin Leary and company under wraps from the second quarter on. And Kirby Moore on offense has continued to, to mix and match pieces to just do enough to win games. And, and that's good enough right now. Brady Cook... Gave you a, a game that's good enough to win against a, a, a average SEC team. And it's good enough for Missouri with the way the roster is. I mean, you can't play like this against Georgia in a couple weeks and win. I mean, then no chance. You fall behind 14 to nothing. Brady Cook throws a pick and under 200 passing yards and you win in Athens. But it was more than good enough to win on Saturday. And I think that, that impressed me because just 
like I said, this is a in, in the past you look at how this game unfolded and it's like Missouri does not win that football game. They they especially too against Kentucky. They they they've battled some demons in the past against Kentucky. Last year at home facing Will Levis, who wasn't great, and you have the whole thing with the roughing the punter in the tackle box and you lose that game late. They lost in Lexington two years ago on the road. I believe Basilek started that game. It was early on in the season. Uh, that was another loss. They did win in 2020 where there's the, the picture that goes over Mizzou Twitter of the entire Mizzou sideline standing over a Kentucky player. But for the most part, Mizzou has not been able to handle Kentucky on the football field. So it was really good, um, I think, to see them bounce back in the way they did. Also, I mean, it was a Missouri team coming off a loss. They, they lost the game at home against LSU that the way they started, you thought that maybe they could have pulled that one out and um, it, it really showed the, the bounce-back capability. So I think I, I think in general, um, rushing game average 3.1 a carry in total. That's got to improve. Uh, it, it certainly does. And I think the passing game... I'm not. You don't. You don't hit on them as bad because they were so good for so many games in a row. Um, whether it go back to to starting against Kansas State, they're they're pushing 30 points. Um, Memphis to follow on the road in Vandy, then at home against LSU. It was really good for such a stretch. It's like okay, I would rather the off game come now against Kentucky than against Georgia or Tennessee at home in a couple weeks, or even next weekend on homecoming against South Carolina. Because who knows? You let Spencer Rattler get hot, and you may turn yourselves into a shootout. I hope not. I don't think Shane Beamer's a good enough coach to beat this Missouri squad. He's, he's shown it the last couple of years, but um, you never know. So I guess if you would you would rather the offensive, I guess, letdown to come at a game when Kentucky only scores seven points after the first quarter. And the Missouri defense was was really good, really tightened down um, there late in that game. Picked off Devin Leary, I think it was twice. Yeah, twice. Chris Abrams' drain continues to have a fantastic season after making the decision to come back and stay with, with Missouri for another year as their lead defensive back. He's um, now has four interceptions on the season. I'm trying to remember who had the other the other takeaway from Missouri through the year. It was uh, Marcus Clark. That's who it was. Um, but I, I think... You have no choice to, but to be impressed. It was an all-around victory for the Tigers. And how about, too, um, the fake punt play? And I thought it was interesting looking back and watching that play, just the, the gunner for Kentucky kind of getting lost because I believe I believe the rule states if it's a fake punt, then you are allowed to interfere with, with the gunner that's trying to catch the football. I believe it's different than a normal pass play. Um, I saw it happen in an NFL game, and, and they kind of discussed it where – that Kentucky, as far as I know, would have been allowed to just grab Marquise Johnson and interfere with his ability to catch to catch the pass because it is on a punt play, a fake punt play, rather than just a normal reception. But yet he got lost through the air, um, and Marquise Johnson was able to track that ball in for the touchdown, the 39-yard touchdown. Um, and Luke Bauer, I mean, you, you put it out there, he gave, he gave um, Johnson a chance to make a play, and he did. So I think that that was obviously the key turning point, and then Missouri was able to get a stop, take advantage, and move on from there. And two, to weather 128, to weather the storm of an 128 rushing yard performance out of Ray Davis, I mean, you let him average over six a carry and continue to pound the rock, and Kentucky can play the time of possession game. It's it's not easy, and Missouri really kind of just stifled, stifled them on. Devin Leary barely over 50% completion percentage, only a buck 20 through the air, like I mentioned, through the, the, uh, the two interceptions. 4.4 yards completion. I mean, he wasn't pushing the ball down the field. So um, I, I just think I'm impressed by the fact that um, that Missouri was able to just flip a total switch. You talk about coaching adjustments. They absolutely made those after that first quarter, and then it, it was all Missouri from there. So um, that's a Kentucky team that I, I'm sure on their end came in, felt like they were going to bounce back off that loss against Georgia uh, and, and be able to, to beat Missouri at home. And now they're sitting with back-to-back losses and out of the top 25 and who, who knows, Missouri in, in their side of the conference in the SEC, 
you would have to take care of business against Tennessee and Florida. You still have those games left on the schedule against Arkansas as well. But maybe you pull something out against Georgia and give yourself a chance to make your way to to Atlanta. Atlanta come December, it's not it's not likely the the chances of beating a Georgia team who hasn't lost in two years aren't aren't likely for anyone. But um, I, I think this Missouri this Missouri offense maybe maybe clicking into gear. But regardless, that was a game Missouri could not afford to lose if they wanted. Any better expectations on the season? Just a regular bowl game, and they they found a way to pull it out. So I, I think you got to give Drinkwood some props. Um, you give Kirby Moore some props, and um, I think the coaching staff you enjoy it while you have it because there could be some moving pieces if they continue to win games in the future of guys getting poached. Um, so I think you kind of just got to enjoy it now, um, and hopefully this train keeps on moving with South Carolina. Um, coming to town on Saturday for the homecoming game. So looking at that game a little bit now, it's. A South Carolina defense that the Missouri offense should be able to move the football on at will up and down up and down the field all game long. The South Carolina defense is giving up on average 451 yards a game and they're giving up over 320 through the air. For for comparison, Missouri is about 100 yard less at 227 and they're 100 yard less in yards total out per game at 345. So I know last year the homecoming game was not all that pretty against Vanderbilt. That was a game that was way too close. Um, and Missouri is usually prone to sleepwalk on offense through one to two home games a year. But there, this really should be a game that Missouri just continues to score early and score often. Uh, I, I don't see any reason why, um, especially against a 2-4 and four South Carolina team. They're coming off um, their last game on Saturday. They lose 41-39 to to Florida. They lost to Tennessee. They've lost three out of four games. They did play Georgia kind of tight. It was 24-14, but um, I, f- if, for a Missouri team that's looking for their seventh win, going into the bye, and then you get two weeks to prepare for Georgia, I mean, this is... I think it's good that the bye comes right after this game because you're not overlooking South Carolina directly to Georgia. I mean, you've got a bye right after South Carolina, so you don't have really anything to look over South Carolina next week for. So I expect them to be locked in, coming back home instead of in, in front of a sold-out Faroe Field, the pressure of winning the homecoming game, um, if that's even a thing that the players even consider. Um, I, I, I think I, I like Missouri's chances this next weekend. So it'll be interesting to see. I'm trying to look the over-under on this game, 59 and a half, so having each team... Uh, up there in terms of points. Mizzou favored by about a touch, and I think that's fair. I think Missouri even could win this game by about 10 points. I, uh, I don't feel terrible about picking a, let's say even say Missouri, like 35-24 victory. That's right around that number, so that's right around um, what what uh, what Vegas is saying. I, I think that's that would maybe be my pick for this game. Missouri squeaks out a win in this one, 35-24, and gets to 7-1, and one, and then you really turn things up and out after the bye. But I feel good. I think Brady Cook in this game, we're going to see him go back over 200 yards passing, maybe even push 300. But I think a, a Brady Cook... 260-yard passing day and two-touchdown performance isn't out of the question. Maybe we see Schrader back over four, over four yards to carry on the game because he was below that number by himself um, against Kentucky on Saturday. So I, th- I think we're in store for a much better offensive performance here out of the Tigers uh, back in front of, of the sold-out and furrow crowd at a 2.30 kick here in Columbia, Missouri. I feel very good about Missouri's chances. Shane Beamer just does not scare me as an opposing head coach. I know They've had a couple nice wins the last couple of years. They knocked off, uh, I think it was Clemson last year. I know they beat Tennessee when they were still good in the game that Hendon Hooker got hurt. Uh, Tennessee was still ranked at that point. But I, I think Drinkwitz just continues to have the upper hand uh, on, on Beamer coming into this one. In Missouri, I mean, Rattler has moments. He has not had a great season overall where I think some people thought he might take a step forward. 1,724 passing yards, 11 touchdowns, four picks. 
That's still, in comparison to what Brady's done over the course of the season, Brady's been the much better quarterback, so Missouri has the upper hand there. Missouri has the better running game. Anderson for South Carolina, albeit much less carries than Schrader, over 300 less yards and five less touchdowns. And then you look at the receiving yards comparison. Um, Leggetti for, for South Carolina, I mean, that's a guy who can hurt you. He's got over 700 yards and three touchdowns. That's less than 100, less than what Luther has, although it was dragged down by that, that bad game on Saturday for Luther. But um, I I would not be shocked we see Luther back up pushing towards 100. How about, though, I didn't mention this in the Kentucky the Kentucky game, kind of recap, what Theo Weiss has done for this Missouri Tigers team. I mean, a guy transferring from Oklahoma, his, his importance to this offense cannot be understated because it works perfectly on the other side or even the same side if you have Luther in the slot. It, it, it complements what they do so well in the offense because Theo Weiss is a guy that that's your your deep ball go get it or even in the red zone on a fade route go go get it type of receiver and he even mentioned this in a clip um, I guess he told Brady Cook that the 50-50 vols are more in his favor 80-20 um, and that's what you like to hear that's a guy that wants to go up and win and win catches and on a day where the offense wasn't necessarily incredible Weiss, Weiss the other night in Lexington in Kentucky goes for six catches 58 yards and a touchdown and that's I, his his importance to this offense is huge because it's if if you have Luther and just Luther, um, I, I still think it would be a good offense. But to have Weiss, who's pushing now close to 400 yards and the five touchdowns, having over 11 a catch, um, I think really opens up up things um, for what Missouri can do, and especially lately. I mean, he's turned it on recently. It was a little bit of a slower start, but he has gone over 50 receiving yards in four out of the last five games. And it's even higher than that in some of them. Against Kansas State, 72 through the air. Vandy, he had a buck 18, 80 against LSU. And he's got a touchdown in four straight games. So uh, that's a guy that has really had his role grow in the offense. And I don't know, I, I, I really like the Missouri group of pass catchers. Luther in the slot, Theo Weiss on the outside. And on the other side, you can mix and match with Mookie Cooper, Makai Miller. And I liked what I saw out of Brett Norfley. That's a guy whose role is only going to continue to grow because he's by far the best pass-catching tight end on this team. Uh, I No disrespect to, to Stevens, but he, he's had the drop issue in a couple different games, and Norfleet has the makings of a starting tight end at the SEC football level, which is why he was recruited as such coming out of high school. So there's, there's really a lot of weapons for Cook to work with. Let Brady Cook. It's going to continue to happen this week against South Carolina, and I think – be right back here next Monday. Hopefully a couple of co-hosts actually join me next Monday talking about another Missouri win, and they go into the bye at 7-1. and one. So feeling good. Like I said, back to the start. Just an impressive win for the Tigers because falling down 14 to nothing in Lexington is not a game that these Missouri teams of the past come back and win, specifically in Kentucky, but just really in general against any SEC team win, SEC, uh, SEC game. And then you know, if you lose that game, you're sitting here feeling down about yourself back-to-back losses after the 5-0 and start. But I think if you would have told anyone you're going you're gonna to take two out of three from Kansas State, LSU, and, and Kentucky, I, at least me, I would have signed for that, up for that all seven days of the week. So nothing, to be, nothing but happy, uh, happy stuff from Mizzou football so far. And hopefully that continues throughout the rest of the season. But let's translate through, uh, through college football and over towards the NFL level. And what we're going to start with, or I guess what I'm going to start with, is this game that took place in Houston yesterday between the Texans and the Saints. And how about the Houston Texans? Up to 3-3 three and three now, a team that was expected to be one of the worst in the league. That, that, that pick that they traded Arizona was expected to be probably top five with a rookie quarterback, not great weapons, first-year head coach, and an underwhelming defense. And yet here they are, the Houston Texans sit 3-3. Three and three. 
uh, after beating the Saints yesterday, 20 to 13. Stroud and D'Amico Ryan's look look legit, but that's not what I'm going to talk about. I'm actually going to focus on the team that lost that game, the New Orleans Saints. And that's because I want to mention, did the Saints make a mistake signing Derek Carr to that long-term extension this offseason? Now, they can. It was a four-year deal. I believe they could get out after the second year, if not the third, if things are not moving in the right direction. But the Saints now sit at 3-3. Three and three, And even in the wind, it's not been because they've shown great offense. I mean, the defense for New Orleans stifled Tennessee in Week 1, stifled the Panthers in Week 2, and that's two other three wins. And then they stifled Mac Jones and the Patriots last week. I mean... This was really the best that Derek Carr looked, and it was still only a one-touchdown, one-interception performance. Carr did throw for 353 through the air. He was fine passing, 32 of 50, but still just a touchdown, and he only scored 13 points. So I don't... I think for New Orleans, it was the best option, but I think they're going to look back on this and been like, was signing a veteran quarterback that already showed signs of declining in Vegas last year really the best idea? I I, I don't know. I think for the Saints... They're going to stay competitive because the division doesn't have an elite quarterback. The Buccaneers could be good, but it's Baker Mayfield who's average. The Falcons could be good, but Desmond Ritter did everything in his power to lose that game yesterday, and they did end up losing that game to Washington. And so you look ahead for the Saints. They're going to face, on Thursday night, Trevor Lawrence at home against against the Jaguars, and then they travel to Indian Gardner Minshew, Bears, Vikings, Falcons to follow. So a lot of winnable games on that schedule. I think if you would have looked at the schedule, you would have said the Texans were a winnable game too, but they end up losing that one. But for Derek Carr in general, I think you would have liked more out of a guy that you're paying a whole lot of money to with a four-year deal that you sign in free agency. What does New Orleans do from here? I don't know, because you saw... You saw what Jameis Winston gave you in limited time when he came in and, and, and was a large part of the, the Saints blowing a 17 nothing lead over the Packers. But so far through the six games, Derek Carr has just five touchdowns and a quarterback rating of 85. It really, he's gone over 300 passing yards twice, 305 against the Titans and 353 against the Patriots. But there has not been like one game so far where you look at it and be like, wow, Derek Carr won us that game. I, I feel like they, you could still be 3-3, three and three, with most average quarterbacks in that offense. He's got Olave and Michael Thomas to throw to. They even use Rashid Shahid, Kamara on the ground, who's who's not the same Kamara as he was four or five years ago, but that's still a, a threat out of the game out of the passing game and running game. And then and then too, the defense has been really good so far this season. So uh, I think you would have liked at this point to see Derek Cargo win you a game. I know they probably beat the Packers if he doesn't get hurt. But there was a chance in the Buccaneers game and couldn't get it done. Had just 127 through the air, no touchdowns, no picks. Um, and it's a guy that, that so far is on pace for like 18, 19 touchdowns and upwards of 10 interceptions. Is that worth it for a guy that you're paying that much money for in a four-year deal? I don't think so. I, uh, he has he has just one game where it was like a two-touchdown-plus game, and it was against the Pages where he only threw for 183 through the air. So I'm just not impressed by Derek Carr. I don't see this as a Saints team, even if they win that horrible AFC South division. It's like I think every other NFC, NFC team would love to go play the Saints and, and take down Derek Carr in that underwhelming offense. Um, uh, the, the Saints, it's going to be a team where since Drew Brees retired, they've, they cycled through quarterbacks with Jameis Winston. Um, they had the Taysom Hill experiment, and now it's now it's Derek Carr. So I don't, I don't, I don't feel great about this. Uh, if I'm a Saints fan, I don't sit here thinking like, oh, uh, there was some offseason hype for New Orleans as a team that was going to win 10 games and, and win that division with, with Derek Carr and those receivers and, and whoever else. But now, if I'm looking at it as a Saints, Saints watcher, I'm like, sure, it's a team that might compete for a playoff spot in a bad division, but it's not going anywhere much farther than that. 
Uh, I mean, like, all, all their games, too, against bad teams have been close. Titans was close. Panthers, even the Panthers, I think, made that a one-score game later. And at Packers, they blew they blew the game. Same with Buccaneers. Uh, the only game that was a blot was the Patriots and Mac Jones, which you, we don't even need to get into the Mac Jones-Patriots conversation because that's another team that is just outright horrible. Um, that's a game you should win. That's a game you should dominate. I know it is against Belichick, but... And Mac Jones is just not not a quarterback that's going to win the Patriots a lot of games. So yeah, sure, the Saints defense took care of business there. Like I said, it wasn't like like Carr was really all, anything all that special in that game. So I keep going back four years, 150 million dollars. There's plenty of other quarterbacks making that that similar type of um, money and get much farther scrutiny than what I, you think the Saints offense has. Dak gets more scrutiny um, for a contract similar. Kirk Cousins gets more scrutiny for a contract similar, who puts up much better games than what Derek Carr has put up this year. So um, I think my my main point is just to to put Carr in that same category as some of those other guys. Um, and there's plenty of other quarterbacks in that conversation. Jared Goff has maybe elevated a little bit past that at this point. Um, with how he's played that year, he can probably put Goff a little bit higher. But I don't, I don't think Derek Carr belongs in that same situation anymore. He got a lot of love because of what he did two years ago, dragging the Raiders to a wild card spot, but they didn't win a playoff game uh, following that. And then last year he wasn't good for Vegas, and this year he hasn't been good for New Orleans. So um, I think overall the Saints are going to look back at this one and in two years from now are going to be finding every way to get out of that contract, whether it's after year two or after year three. Um, but unless they, they really start to, to turn on the Jets with the offense, it's it's going to be a very average season out of New Orleans. And I think part of that, too, they do have a defensive head coach, and that's paid off very large for their defense. So defense has been great, and it's won them some games. But yeah, I guess you shouldn't be shocked with the way the league is going in these past couple of years, two offensive-minded head coaches, and usually the best offense in the league are employing those guys that are calling the own plays. Yeah, I guess I'm not too shocked that the Saints' offense has been underwhelming. You just would have thought with three NFL-caliber receivers, an above-average running back, and I, as far as I know, a, def- a decent offensive line, you would have, I think thought you would have seen more out of out of the Saints. So I, overall, I'm just unimpressed with the Saints. I think the overall chances that they win the division are pretty decent because I guess I still trust Derek Carr more than I trust Baker Mayfield and especially more than I trust Desmond Ritter but if any of those teams had a quarterback I think the Falcons would scare me more than than the Saints do and maybe even the Buccaneers with a decent defense and two NFL caliber receivers two all pro not all pro but above average NFL receivers Mike Evans um, and Chris Godwin are very good they're not all pro at this point but they're still very good receivers um, and guys that are forced to be reckoned with and we've seen that in, in the three wins that the Buccaneers have so far this season so overall Saints I don't know it's just gonna be a team that is gonna fluctuate throughout the season they're in like the tight ends and I guess the Washington category of like 500 teams that can hang with you, but they're probably not going to go get the big win um, outside of maybe one time a season. Um, so that's that's that for the Saints. They're just in a very – it's a tough situation to be in because they're probably going to be a middling draft pick this year, not good enough to get a great star. But um, they're just going to continue to be in this average spot that they've been in the last couple of years. So it'll be very, very interesting to see um, how this Derek Carr and Saints thing continues to unfold throughout the rest of the season. But – with that, we're going to take a quick break, step aside for just a moment. And when we return, not going to move away from the NFC South. Got a little more discussion there. And then on top of that, going to move into some stuff about Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, their first loss of the season yesterday. So back in just a moment on KCU 88.1 FM. Lovely cushion header for Jalen! Oh, you beauty! What a headshot! What a 
Box to Box is back and better than ever. Join myself, Jack Nolan, and my brand new co-host, Grant Salzman, to break down the world of Premier League and Champions League football. We have a ton of build-up to the 2022 Men's World Cup in Qatar, and of course, a fair few rants about U.S. Men's National Team Manager, Greg Berhalter. So if you want to stay up to date on the footballing world, tune in to Box to Box, Mondays at 10 a.m. on KCOU. That's astonishing. It's Hey, hey, yeah, I'm on a drink, I'm about to kill, I got the drop, I got the kill, taking the pee, I got the seal, I got the peppermint patty is teal, she off the boat and she came from this real, I'm front and back, until I'm smacked, smoke on that press, I'm on strawberry peels, strawberry peels, strawberry peels, strawberry peels, strawberry peels, strawberry peels, Welcome back to Around the Waves on KCOU 88.1 FM, and we're back from break, look who finally decided to show up. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to have you here. I really am because then I don't have to uh, kind of find a way to continue to talk all by myself for the next 30 minutes. So I am glad to have you. You are you did miss the first two segments. You didn't get to talk about that Mizzou win against Kentucky, but That's yeah, okay. I guess you I had some you stuff to do. You did a great job, you know, talking about that and everything. That's for sure. So, yeah, I'm glad that I was able to make the last half of the show, you know. You get some when you're about to graduate in December, you got to focus on those jobs and uh, yeah, I, was applying I left and right and... Totally just want to make sure everything was A-OK, especially my uh, resume going in there. I was like, oh, oh you better, you better yeah, land. Got to make sure everything's A-OK and looking good. So, so, yeah. I'm Ben Schmidt, Justin Kraft here now <laughs> joining me on Around the Waves. Let's continue it with the NFL coverage. I said before the break that we're staying in the NFC South. Just talked about the Saints and Derek Carr. Now we're going to switch to the Falcons. I mentioned his name a couple times throughout that Saints segment, but Desmond Ritter... I mean, that was a game I think the Falcons felt was very winnable yesterday against the Washington Commanders at home. First time Desmond Ritter's lost a home game since high school. Whether that's because Desmond Ritter's been good or not, I don't know. It felt like some of the home games earlier in the year he kind of got dragged to a win rather than doing it himself. But Desmond Ritter gave that football game for Atlanta away. And I'm not saying Taylor Heineke's any better. I mean, he might be better, but I'm not going to go out on a limb and say it. But that's what this question's about, Justin. With how bad Desmond Ritter's played, is it time for the Falcons to explore other options if they want to compete in a bad division this year? I think you got to consider it. You know, Heineke is a possibility. Desmond did throw three interceptions yes- yesterday and only two touchdowns with a passer rating of 66.5. So, really, the Falcons just fell apart, you know, because of Desmond, really. He threw the three picks that were very crucial. You know, they only it, lost by bad one times score. Bad times, too. Like yes. red, especially mm-hmm. the red zone one. That's just, I get it. He's second-year starter, only having a handful of starts under his belt. But that's, he's played enough college ball to know that's when you just got to fire out of the back of the end zone. Yeah. And especially, hopefully, he can pick up, you know, how he's playing and just his confidence. Because besides the Texans game last Sunday at home, he had one touchdown. He threw for 329 yards, had a passer rating of 111.2. The three weeks before that... He only had a passer rating of 79.8, which was the highest on September 17th, which was week two against Green Bay. So since that, you know, and besides the Texans game last Sunday, he really hasn't played all that well. And really, it seems like when the Falcons are not able to get the running game going, Desmond's having to do too much, and he just can't do it all, you know, and especially just on his heels yesterday against a very, you know, stifling, very good defense and the Washington Commanders I mean it's it's tough because I I don't think 
it's it's an offense that you look at with a skill position player, and it's like Bijan Robinson, mm-hmm. Tyler Algier even rushed for over a thousand yards last year. Drake London, Kyle Pitts, and London was great yesterday, by the way, probably his best game of the season. And you would think that it's an offense that should go for much more. I think Arthur Smith is a little bit of a conservative play caller, and maybe that is because he feels he is handicapped by his quarterback. But it's like, I I feel like. It's so tough because like we've we've seen this Taylor Heineke movie un- unfold mm-hmm. for now three straight seasons. We saw it in Washington, <laughs> and you're not winning, you're not winning a a, a championship with Taylor Heineke at quarterback. But it's like Taylor Heineke might give you a better shot to get to the playoffs than Desmond Irwin because Des- uh, Taylor Heineke would push the ball down the field. I I think they offer similar in terms of mobility, Ritter and Heineke. I, I think Taylor Heineke probably gets Kyle Pitts more involved too, and and I, I don't know. It, it would be very interesting to see. I get what they're doing. Yeah, we're committed to developing Desmond Ritter and seeing if there's anything there. Um, and he did though for the the 307 yesterday through the air. So I guess the he's moving the team down the field. But it, like I said, it doesn't matter if you throw that red zone interception. Mm-hmm. It is interesting. I don't. You would expect the Falcons to be one of the best running teams in the league. But you, you, Tyler Algier and Bijan Robinson both got 13 carries yesterday, only 3.9 for Algier on the ground per carry, and 2.9 for Bijan. He only had 37 rushing yards. So I think that's a little bit underwhelming as well. I would be very interested to see how this offense would look with Heineke because I feel like they would push the ball down the field more. I, it, t- Kyle Pitts would probably be more involved. I mean, John o. Smith got as many receptions yesterday as Kyle Pitts, and John o. Smith is a fine tight end. But I don't think he offers the same upside as, as Kyle Pitts does. So it's very, very interesting for Atlanta. I don't know about you, but if I'm if I'm the Falcons, I am one of the biggest players in the Kirk Cousins market this offseason. What I would assume Kirk will be the best free agent quarterback out there. I don't think he's I don't see him back in Minnesota. But you you imagine can you can you imagine uh, Kirk with London Pitts and Bijan Robinson? That's that is easily good enough to win the NFC South. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That just putting Kirk Cousins in the conversation if the Atlanta Falcons are to, you know, get rid of Desmond and then pick in, pick Kirk Cousins up in the offseason, that would definitely right away put their offense in top 10 consideration because with all those weapons they have offensively, they have Bijan Robinson in the backfield, and then they have, you know, Kyle Pitts. They also have a pretty good, it, yeah, Kyle Pitts tight end slash wide receiver. That's how good he is. And then you also have Jonathan Smith, and then you have Drake London as well who's a go-to wide receiver, you know, definitely wide receiver one in your wide receiver, you know, room of things. But really, yeah, I think if you're the Falcons, you have a good enough defense, you have a good enough offense, but it just comes down to the quarterback play. Like the last three out of five uh, weeks, yeah, the last five weeks, they've had in three games, they've had a turnover or more since the week one win against Carolina at home. But really right now they're still, you know, not in the driver's seat of things. It, it was nice that the Saints lost and everything mm-hmm. to, you know, I mean, give themselves some breathing room. They're right there. Uh-huh. I, I, like you mentioned the defense a second ago. I don't think many people realize, and it's not like the the Falcons have played incredible quarterbacks. I mean, here's the list of quarterbacks the Falcons have played so far. Bryce Young, Jordan Love, Jared Goff, Trevor Lawrence, C.J. Stroud, and um, Sam Howell. <laughs> I, I want to say Taylor <laughs> Heineke for the Commanders, but he's not a commander anymore. So out of those six quarterbacks, I mean, there's – C.J. Stroud looks good, but he's a rookie. Trevor Lawrence is, is easily the best quarterback on that list, and Jared Goff is up there, but none of the others scare me. So it's like they're not playing great quarterbacks, but the most points the Falcons have given up on defense in a game is 24. 
I mean, they held the Falcons a really good offense yeah, to 20. Impressive. Jaguars 23, 19, or 19 against the Texans, and they gave up 24 again yesterday. That defense is more than good enough to, to win you a division. And you're going to face, coming up, I mean, look at the, the quarterbacks you're going to face the next, like, five or six games. You get, next week you get Baker Mayfield, and then it's Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins, Josh Dobbs, Derek Carr, and Zach Wilson. I mean, there is, what, one good quarterback on that list, and mm-hmm. it's Kirk Cousins? I mean, outside of none, like the Falcons don't face an elite quarterback. Really, the entire I just scroll the entire schedule. Kirk Cousins may be the best quarterback the Saints face the entire rest of the year. Yeah, and if you're the Falcons right now, you know that loss hurt really big yesterday. But they're really still in contention, especially with the Bucks losing to the Lions helped because you know they're three and two. But right now they're in second place, tied with the Saints. And then, you know, the Panthers are just a dumpster fire. I don't think yeah. they're going to be competing for the NFC South if they find a way to turn things around, they, but I don't think that's happening. They calling plays, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's a little late <laughs> Yeah, for I don't it. think that's no happening wins. being, yeah, 0-6. So, yeah, honestly, if I'm Arthur Smith, you just have to find a way to, you know, keep Desmond's head on straight, keep his confidence high, and find a way to just make it easier on him because, like you said, uh, B. John Robinson wasn't getting anything going. And that's their guy that they had been going to, you know, right out of the draft. Right when they picked him, they knew right away this guy was going to be, you know, their running back one. He was going to be a top five back, and he was going to produce. And that's what he has been doing. But just yesterday against a very good commander's defense, he was not able to do that. And it just shows how much, you know, if Robinson isn't, you know, getting at least 80 to 100-plus yards, you know, on the ground on a couple touchdowns, this Atlanta offense looks very stagnant. Yeah. Oh well, let's let's move on from the NFC South. We spent the last, at least you, me at first, then you have spent the last fifteen twenty minutes here <laughs> in Columbia, Missouri, talking about one of the worst divisions in football. Mm-hmm. I guess good records, but like worst yeah. football. They're just going to take turns beating each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so someone will come out with a good record. I don't think it's legit. But let's talk about a couple of real football teams, or at least real good football teams yesterday and move to the Eagles and the Jets. Eagles, who were 5-0, and get their first loss of the season, drop 20-14 to to the Jets after leading 14 nothing at halftime. Or at least at one point in the second quarter, they were up, I think, 14 nothing, and the Jets scored a couple field goals. Yeah, it wasn't 14 nothing at halftime, but it was, it was the Eagles up early. And I, I, I'll start with the Jets because the Jets deserve a lot of credit. What Robert Sala does to opposing teams' elite quarterbacks is just incredible. I mean, Jalen Hurts, they forced him to throw three picks. He looked like a shell of how he usually does, um, and especially late in that game through some costly interceptions. I mean, they're doing this with Zach Wilson, at quarterback, winning the back-to-back games, and they've really been in competitive. They have been competitive in more games off than not. And I think overall, you just look at it and see, like, it's a championship-level defense. It just stinks that Aaron Rodgers isn't healthy because this would be – a I was a little bit uh, not as much on the hype train coming into the season with the Jets, but I think now I'm ready to say, like, had Rodgers been healthy, this is a Super Bowl contending team. Oh, yeah, um, I totally agree. Yeah. But, I mean, that's Jets give them all the props. But what I want to talk about here in this one is how concerned are you with Philly after their first loss of the season? Offense has been a little underwhelming on the season. Um, you don't want to take too much into this one because it was on the road in New York, and like I said, face the championship-level defense. But... The way they threw that game away and the way the offense hasn't really clicked yet, I mean, are you concerned with Philly so far? Or do you think this is just a little blip on the radar and they're still going to cruise to a great season? I think they're going to find a way to get over this. Yeah, You know, it was a blip for sure in their season, especially up 14-0 midway through the second quarter, and then they just totally collapsed in the second half. And like we were just saying, this Jets defense, a championship-caliber defense, the way they're just playing – 
and they're they're just carrying the Jets to wins. And it's just been impressive how the Jets have been able to do it. They did it to Josh Allen, you know, and then now they did it to Jalen Hurts, two top five quarterbacks in the league, and they both made them look really bad, throwing three interceptions apiece from the both of them. But I think the Eagles really I think this is a blip. I feel like they're gonna figure it out. Um, they really need to get their running game going. They didn't really get it going with Swift, and I think that's one thing that will really help out this offense and what was working in weeks past coming into this game, you know, yesterday. Um, they found a way to run the football with Swift, take some pressure off Jalen Hurts in the passing game. But I, I just think right now the Eagles, it's a blip. They're going to find a way to get over this, and they just got to use Swift more to help out with Jalen Hurts. And really, I think they got to free up A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. They got to find a way to, you know, make it easier on Jalen Hurts to give them the football. Yeah, I, 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 I'm kind of on the same page. I'm not too concerned. I mean, that's you look at the the um, the Eagles' schedule. That's the best defense they're going to face oh, until sure. San Fran yeah. at the start of December. So they're going to go a six or seven week stretch with with much easier opponents. And we've seen. I mean, against the Rams, they were able to score pretty easily. Score twenty plus points. Commanders, they put up thirty four. Um, the Vikings, they dropped thirty four. Now, like that's a great defense. But um, regardless, I. I'm not too worried about the Eagles, and I think yesterday was more of an an anomaly, more of an anomaly for the Eagles running game rather than, uh, I mean, Jalen Hurts was the leading rusher, Swift didn't do a lot, but Swift in that running game had been really good coming in. Um, You have to just, it's the the thing with... um, with the Jets defense having stifled opposing quarterbacks, and it's happened all season long. You look what they did to Josh Allen week one, um, and just... In general, they that Robert Sala has the number against league quarterbacks. I will say, I think Jalen Hurts has got to pick it up. I mean, through the air, he's got 1,542 passing yards, seven touchdowns, and seven picks. He's still been good on the ground. Um, he's got 253 on the ground to go with, what, five touchdowns. But through the air, I mean, it's not the numbers that we saw last year out of him, MVP candidate. I think he was runner-up to Mahomes. Um, he was very least a finalist. Uh, so you would like to see a little bit more of him through the air. Uh, there was a weird problem yesterday. Devon Smith had a couple drops that ended up proving costly, but I costly, but I think they will figure it out. We're we're gonna find out really quickly if it's the same team as last year or not. Because you look at the Eagles' upcoming schedule, they get the Dolphins next week on Monday or mm-hmm. Sunday night football, which awesome game should be an awesome game. Can't wait for that one. Then they go to the Commanders, who played them close overtime game last time, and then to follow they go a gauntlet of. Cowboys, Chiefs, Bills, 49ers, Cowboys. I mean, Oof. that's that's five just yep. like physical beatdown games in a row. And that's that's with the Dolphins and Commanders on the front end of it. So, I mean, like, the Eagles are about to play just a tough. And then after that, they go to Seattle. They, don't, they, they have it easy to close out the season, too, against the Giants and the Cardinals. But, like, they've got to make it out alive of this stretch first that's, that's coming up for Philly. So I think that's good because it's going to be very out there for everyone to see. Is this Philly team still the same? Lane Johnson did get hurt yesterday. Wait to see how that's going to impact him. But um, it'll be it'll be fun. We're going to have some really fun games against uh, Philly against the other top dogs in, in both conferences coming up to see. And I, I, I would not be shocked if on, if on Sunday against the Dolphins, against a not-great defense, if Jalen Hurts goes for 300 yards and three touchdowns. So I, uh, I, I think uh, to expect a bounce-back game this next weekend out of Jalen Hurts and the Eagles is pretty fair. Yeah, it's just how is Jalen going to be able to turn down the interceptions? Because last five games, in four of those five, he's thrown at least a pick. So if he can just take care of the football, Eagles will be, you know, fly, Eagles fly, smooth sailing. And uh, 
they should be just fine going through that gauntlet and be A-OK and, you know, front runner to still win the NFC East. We'll see. Yeah, no, I mean that'll be that'll be fun too, especially coming out of the wire. I don't love the Cowboys, but they'll probably be in the mix. Washington mm-hmm. is is five hundred, and like I said, they played yeah. Philly really close in Philly they a couple did. weeks ago. They have some bad losses, like they probably should not have lost at home to yeah, the Bears, have like lost they to the did. Bears, yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> especially with how the Bears have played against yeah. other teams. Honestly, and, well, today's not a day we're going to talk about the Bears, but the Bears did lose to the Vikings yesterday. Just to throw that out there, but yeah, that the NFC East will be interesting coming out of the wire, and um, we'll see. We're going to step aside for one quick final break when we come back we're going to wrap up our football coverage and the show with a little bit of monday night football talk good one tonight back in just a moment on around the waves yes we're back and so is the breakfast of champions airing every friday morning at 11 a.m join myself brandon anthony you first mentioned it to me and i was like what is this like a like another like ufc type of thing my co-host ryan crothers this isn't March Madness, you know, this is the best of the best. As we start your morning off at all things sports, from NBA to NFL and even the NHL, we got it all. Again, join us every Friday morning at 11 a.m. on KCRU 88.1 FM. I got Welcome back to Around the Waves on KCOU 88.1 FM on this Monday, October 16th. Continuing the streak of a whole lot of football talk on these shows. At least, at least I like I like the full, the full football shows. With oh college yeah, I and did NFL. too. You were we're big football guys. Oh so. yeah. We'll get into basketball, although in, in a couple weeks, yeah, we got NBA. Up. Mizzou's first home game was what, first week of November? Something yeah. like that? So mm-hmm. that'll be fun. We yeah. get year two of Dennis Gates. And oh, yeah. For sure. Not, not to distract from our football coverage. It'll be very interesting to see what Mizzou basketball does in year two because I think just looking at it objectively, the roster is probably worse. We know yeah. the number one recruiting class is coming. Yes. But they're not going to be here this year, obviously. So temper your expectations maybe a little bit for Mizzou basketball this season. I, I think they're going to miss. I, I know Kobe Brown is a big miss. I think they're going to miss the three and D of Demoy Hodge a yeah, lot. For sure. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. just see who steps up and takes that leadership role and being a captain and really helps you know, yeah, basketball team really play well and produce and hopefully they can, you know, be a top five mid tier team in the SEC and make the tournament. Hope so. Yeah, no, it's in Dennis Gates we trust. But back to some NFL coverage. We've got just a couple minutes left in the show today. Let's talk about tonight's Monday Night Football game because although we have had some bad primetime games this year, I know last week was was close on Monday night between the Packers and Raiders, but it wasn't good football. It was bad quarterback play. We should have a good game tonight on paper in L.A. between the Cowboys and the Chargers. I'm looking forward to watching. I really like watching the Chargers offense and Justin Herbert play in general. But it should be a good game. I I, I find it a little interesting that on the road in L.A. that Dallas is a point-and-a-half favorite, I guess – I mean, the Chargers don't have a home field advantage, but I don't. I, I figured it would be more even than, than Cowboys by a point and a half. But regardless, you got any thoughts on this one, Justin? Any any winners, any big games out of anyone between the Cowboys and Chargers? All I'm going to say is, like you just said, pretty shocked by the spread in favor of the Cowboys. I thought, especially coming in with how the Cowboys got dominated, you know, on Sunday night a week ago against the 49ers, 42 to 10, and the Chargers have been humming. They've been playing really well of late. I thought they'd at least have, you know point-and-a-half point favorite in the side of things when it comes to the spread. But the Chargers got their man back, Mr. Electrifying, in the backfield, 
Austin Eckler. I feel like that's going to be something. Yeah, yep. that's going to be very big for this offense. Especially Justin Herbert has been great playing like an MVP so far this season. And just to get Austin Eckler back in the backfield is really going to help out that run game. But I think it really comes down to how this defense plays for the Chargers. Because we saw how the 49ers were able to get after Dak Prescott, able to make him force the football down the field. And when Dak Prescott forces the football down the field in those tight windows, he's usually throwing interceptions because those cornerbacks are adjusting. They're able to read it, get there in time, and make a play on the football. So I feel like if they're able to put pressure on Dak Prescott, I feel like it's going to be close, but they can force some turnovers that really give them the edge to win this game. Yeah, I mean, the Cowboys' offense doesn't totally scare me. I feel like we're due for a big Tony Pollard game. Mm -hmm. Um, CeeDee Lamb is obviously a great, great receiver. But, like, Brandon Cooks is clearly over the hill. Michael Gallup is inconsistent at best. So it's like if you can take take CeeDee out of the passing game at at that— it doesn't feel like the same type of Dallas can go down and score at will like they were a couple years ago when they had Amari and CeeDee Lamb. I bet, I bet they miss Amari Cooper right I now. I think losing lot. Dalton Schultz really hurts, too, because yeah. he was so elite in that offense last season. He was too. he was a very big, uh, reliable option for Dak. So I, mm-hmm. I expect, not to get off topic, I expect the Cowboys to be a big player in the draft for one of those receivers. Okay. I mean, they've got, they've got a championship-level defense when healthy. Um, I could see the Cowboys going off at a, uh, after a receiver in the draft. But back to the game. Cowboys losing Trayvon Diggs is hurt a lot. Mm-hmm. They don't have a uh, they don't have a true. I know Stephon Gilmore's still a good cornerback, but I think Diggs. Um, you'd feel better if you have him against your wide receiver one, and, and then and then Gilmore on your opposite side. So Keenan Allen, I think, could be in store for a really nice game. It's been cool to see the season he's had because he's a guy that's continuously dealt with injuries um, over the past couple of years. But yeah, L.A. Despite some probably incompetence out of their head coach, they they have tried to lose games. They tried at Minnesota when Staley went for it and didn't get it. Um, I think they did something similar and didn't get it too against the Raiders before the bye. But well rested off a bye, Eckler back. You get a, you get a, your leading rusher or not your leading rusher um, because he's missed the games, but your best running back comes back. Um, and then Herbert, as you mentioned, has been playing at an MVP level. So I, I feel really good about the Chargers in this. When I know it'll be. It's a home game for LA, but it'll be more Cowboys fans because that's how it usually goes for the Chargers. Um, but I mean, over under on this one's fifty. I wouldn't be surprised if we blow that out. It's like uh, a twenty-eight thirty-one type of final. Yeah, I feel I, I feel really good about the Chargers though in this one. I do too. Yeah, I don't I don't don't want to jinx, but I, I would guess I would guess we both take the Chargers. I think my final score. I'm going to go. It's tough because the Dallas defense still is a really good mm-hmm. defense, but I think the Chargers' offense is more than good enough to. To put up some big numbers, I will go. I will go twenty-eight, twenty-four LA. So what's that? I guess that's that does that does go over fifty. It's only fifty-two. Um, but yeah, I think the Chargers get the win. They're third in a row to get to three and two. Cowboys drop to three and three with a second straight loss. Yeah, I feel good about Chargers twenty-eight, Cowboys twenty-four. I think because it all comes down. Like if I was to pick Dallas, it would come down to the defense. But I just feel like we saw it happen on Sunday night. They played a competent offense. They couldn't get it done. And now they're having to face Justin Herbert, who's playing at MVP level, and no Trevion Diggs. So I'm going to say it, it will be close. I don't think it's going to be a blowout fashion for the Chargers. I feel like it's going to be uh, 34-27. So I feel like going it's going to be like a big scoring game. game. Yeah. yeah, you think it's tough because I do like I know they lost Diggs. The Cowboys defense still is really good and. It, it feels like this could be a game where Micah Parsons just is like a game wrecker. Um, but, like, I just I, I trust the Chargers' weapons. I know they lost Mike Williams a couple weeks ago, but you still got Keenan Allen, mm-hmm. Eckler out of the backfield. 
I know Josh Palmer was added to the injury report. Maybe we finally see something out of Quentin Johnston, the rookie first-round pick out of TCU, who's been underwhelming so far. Um, but I, I also, it feels like a, a big game out of Dak is coming at some point, and this would be the game to do it because the Chargers' defense isn't very good. But Dak, so far this season, I mean, hasn't put up great numbers, just five touchdowns, four interceptions, three of them coming last week in San Francisco. It does not look like the same guy we saw in 2020 and 2021 mm-hmm. who could pretty consistently get you a 300-yard and then two or three touchdown game. I mean, that's not, uh, through five games, he's averaging barely over 200 passing yards a game. It's not... It's not the same Dak Prescott that we saw in the past. So wouldn't be shocked if we see a Dak 260 and two touchdown performance tonight? I don't think so. So No, yeah, I would not be shocked. But if you're a Cowboys fan, you do not want to see what happened, you know, tonight on Monday night. Yeah. Like what happened a week ago on Sunday night. (laughs) It can't be a situation where you don't have a first down after your first three drives, especially against the Chargers defense. Uh Um, You can't fall behind in that one. Yeah. So it'll be. I, I just hope it's a close game because, like I said, we've had some bad primetime games. I know last night was a close, good game between the Giants yeah, and Bills. Sure. I didn't expect that whatsoever, but like, yeah, it wasn't like it was incredible quarterback play. Mm-hmm. And was, the call down the stretch there at the end with uh, you know, how about that? Yeah, I could have gone either way with Waller. Ooh. I was. Um, I'm not a Giants guy just because I think Daniel Jones is is a little bit overrated, and we saw that with what they paid him this offseason. But mm-hmm. I would have been happy for Tyrod Taylor going into a place that let him walk and winning on the road. For sure. But, yeah, I was I was so, like, Bills back at home off a bad loss. Yep. I was, like, smash the Bills minus whatever. I was like, Bills are going to roll in this game. And then they just didn't. It was very weird. Mm-hmm. It was very, very weird. So Bills Bills got to figure some things out. But, yeah, a lot of different – we were all over the place with NFL today. We started with the NFC. <laughs> <laughs> South, um, switched to the East. We got, even, we got Monday, Monday Night Football, and he even snuck some Dennis Gates talk in there. So, <laughs> hey, if you want to throw some baseball in there, too, you know the Ashes are playing today. Yeah, oh yeah, Texas Rangers beat you last yeah, night. Yes, yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. How, how are you feeling about Houston? We don't, we don't got a ton of time. Uh, like, yeah, I'm nervous just yet. Throw this in. I'm yeah, I was a little nervous, especially with uh, what happened last night. Jordan Montgomery pitched insanely well right. on the mound, it's just striking out. You know, our batters left and right. Jordan was going down. He was looking like he couldn't hit anything to save his life. Just swinging at anything, yeah. you know, down in the dirt. He just had all of our hitters looking shaky. Jordan, Altuve, Bregman, Michael Brantley, uh, McCormick, especially um, Jose Abreu, who's been great, especially in the divisional series. But just the way the Rangers have been pitching. and It's got a good staff. They, yeah, they've just Very been commanding. Just around their pitching, and that's just what's been really getting things going and winning games, and just how they want it to. Especially Evan Carter, their left fielder, making that spectacular catch yep. in uh, left center field. That was insane. That put the game away of the Astros even coming back. But we'll see. Yeah, I'm I'm a little worried. We have to win game two with yeah. Farmer on the mound. I against think, Nathan Evaldi, so yeah, it'll be tough. I think at home, I think the Astros take this one, and you're heading to to Arlington in a one-one series. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. Should be should be fun. Division oh, yeah. rival and ALCS sure. is a lot of fun. Yep. But that's gonna just about do it for us today here on Around the Waves on this Monday show as usual. Justin, thanks for for making the trip yeah, over no, halfway I'm through. I'm glad that yeah. I was able to make it yeah. halfway through. So, <laughs> thanks so much for listening in with us once again. I'm Ben Schmidt. Justin Crouch with me as well. We'll be back again next week to recap some homecoming Mizzou football and as always more NFL. Enjoy your week, everyone. Happy homecoming to everyone here in Columbia and enjoy the rest of your Monday.